with insights and analysis of today's rapidly shifting world. Welcome to the Jewess Patriot Show. Radio's premier U.S. activist, Cindy Gross, featuring exclusive interviews with today's top newsmakers and trendsetters. You don't have to be Jewish to be part of our show. And now, your Jewess patriot, Cindy Gross. Hello, and welcome to the Jewess Patriot. I am your host, Cindy Gross. Today's premier Jewish woman activist, you don't have to be Jewish with Cindy because we talk about the headlines and the trends in the Jewish community that also are connected to our non-Jewish friends, our Christian Zionists, those who support the state of Israel, and those that are concerned about common sense issues. We have a lot to talk about, so join me in my opening pearls of wisdom because I am Zisel Peril, sweet pearl in Yiddish. Well, a valuable, precious strand of pearls is about to expand. And I am very, very happy to announce that starting in a few weeks, we will be featured Live streaming, in fact, Sunday mornings in the tri-state area out of the studios of WJBB, out of Long Island, AM and FM, the most established and oldest respected award-winning station that covers not only Long Island, but the tri-state area. So whether or not you're in Connecticut or New Jersey by the Jersey Shore, the five boroughs, upstate, you'll be able to hear the Jewess Patriots Sunday mornings. And because we are in studio, we are going to have call-in guest. We're going to have guest in person, and we're actually going to have audience questions. So we're super excited about our pearls growing because these days, we don't know where to get our pearls of wisdom, but I can promise you, I will always do my hardest to bring you the best and the most factual information that I can with hours of research, with doing investigations, and with interviewing many people from all backgrounds, because we are in this together. My second Pearl of Wisdom for today, it's President's Week. So here's my real question Who would want to be president in the year 2023? Because, let's face it, it's not like being president 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 200 years ago. Today, being a president is a 24-7 job. Even if you're not at the White House or not on a business trip, there are looking there, I'm sorry, there are people looking for those gotchas, whether or not they're real or fake, whether or not they love you or hate you. And it's not just the president. It's the spouse, the parents, the siblings, the children. Sometimes the facts are very important to share because I have a feeling we're never, ever going to know the story of Hunter Biden. And no one even questions Chelsea 
Clinton and her involvement in the Clinton Foundation and what she knew about those emails. And let's face it, Liz Cheney, her father being a vice president, she turned out to be a real uh, self-hater and really uh, someone of her own interest, despite the fact that she claimed to be an independent, positive-thinking, conservative Republican. Are you happy with who's running your government right now? Do you want Donald Trump again? Do you want someone new? Do you want the people whose names are being used over and over again in the press from either the Democrats or Republicans? Would you like a third party candidate, an independent, somebody out of politics altogether? Would you like somebody who actually deserves it for their merit and not because of their skin color or age or their sexuality? How are you thinking about voting in 2023 for your local elections? Are you excited to get out there and vote? Well, that excitement is actually going to reflect people's thoughts on how they think on 2024. If they're not interested in 2023 and they don't see the changes they want, they're not coming out in 2024. It doesn't matter which state has the first primary. It doesn't matter how many people love them at the Grammys or the Emmys. It doesn't matter how many rallies you hold. Ultimately, it's the votes. And then there's that last question that we're all asking. Will our vote make a difference in 2024? Are we going to have fair elections? And I'm asking that question to Democrats. Because if you were a Bernie Sanders supporter in the past, you have to question 2016. You must. When I talk voter integrity and honesty, I'm talking about primaries. I'm talking about people from the progressives to the most conservatives. Because what is going on, wherever it is that we don't know about, is something that must be considered. We also must really think about if we want illegals, to vote. We see how they're acting in New York. $500 a night hotels aren't good enough for them. That was not the thought at Ellis Island. And at Ellis Island, you had to go through inspections. You had to fill out paperwork and come through legally. And now we have the northern border to think about. So here's my thoughts for this President's Day, this President's Week. Whatever day you celebrate it, because let's face it, most people don't even know the real birthdays of George Washington and Abraham Lincoln, because for some reason, 
it became one day a holiday when these are two of the most important figures in American and worldwide history. It's not about sales and school closings or about federal holiday status with mailing and and stock exchanges. It's about people who stood up, took risks for your future, for your children's future. So I ask it again. Who wants to be president and why? Is it worth it, given what's going on today? We're going to find out more because we actually have an elected official with us from Washington. So sit back and stay tuned. Welcome back to the Jewess Patriot. I am very excited to welcome back to the show Congressman Tim Burchett from Tennessee, the second district from Knox, Knoxville, Knox County. And I have to tell you that I'm super excited because the last time he was here, he was part of the congressional minority group. Now he's part of the House majority. So I want to hear from him what a difference it's been since November. And he has a lot of information and a lot of exclusives for us. So thank you so much for joining the Jewess Patriot. Thank you so much for having me, Sandy. It's my pleasure. Well, we love having you because, you, first of all, you are so friendly and so welcoming. You consider every body in the United States, a constituent, which is wonderful. And you work for the people, which is what the government really started as. You just come from one area. But I know when I've discussed things with you, you're concerned about everybody in 50 states. Yes, ma'am. I always say, well, y'all pay my salary. So that's, that's the way I look at it, actually. Well, uh, there's so much going on. It's President's Week. I mean, I have to tell you, when I think of presidents and what it, what President's Week meant, to me, I grew up, it was two holidays. It was celebrating two important presidents' birthdays. I don't even think today children even know the importance of George Washington and Abraham Lincoln. No, they really don't. I, I've referred to, to President Washington a whole lot this past couple of weeks. Um, you know, when they, when this balloon flew over, um, the first one, the Chinese one, and um, and the president told the generals shoot the thing down, and they said, in fact, no, they would not. They were going to wait. You know, that's not the way it's supposed to work. Um, when Washington took office, he purposefully took off his uniform and put on civilian clothes because that that drew a clear line. You have a civilian commander in chief over a military. And currently, right now, it was the same general who actually, um, under Biden, was the one under Trump, if you remember, uh, was negotiating secretly with the with the communist Chinese. And and that is the same one who, who said, we're not going to knock down this Chinese spy balloon that flew over the entire continental United States, transverse most of our top secret locations. Some of them I can talk about, some of them I can't, but one of them was in my own backyard, uh, Y-12 
nuclear weapons facility here in, in East Tennessee in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. And that's in my backyard. Um, and so, uh, I have a lot of problems. <clears throat> I think we may be, um, some of our folks in our military may be, um, compromised in my opinion, because there's no other reason not to knock that down. And when we've knocked down four party balloons or three party balloons since then, um, over, over land. And then all of a sudden now we can't, the first one we couldn't, which had, um, which was all Chinese. And this last three have been obviously civilian balloons probably. And, um, and then the insult of all insults I thought was when the president of Canada asked us to knock down a balloon over his country immediately, immediately. And I thought to myself, wow, you know, he's, he's seen the writing on the wall. He didn't want to catch all that heat that Biden's caught. But unfortunately, I don't believe the president has the cognitive level to understand um, just the disgust that people have with, with that decision. So, and it was General Milley was the general. I'm sorry. And then we have to add in all these mysterious fires all of a sudden in mysterious places and the coincidence all of a sudden on all the shores. I know where I am, where I live, whales and sharks and all. I mean, all of a sudden these mysterious happenings all coincide at the same time. I think that people are either they don't want to recognize what's going on, which I think is a bigger problem because people recognize, I don't think people as dumb as they want to make themselves seem. No, no, I don't think so. And people don't want to stand as an independent voice because today you're either R or a D. You're not an I. And yeah, even if you yeah. are an I, you're on, you're an independent so that you don't have to vote in a primary. You're not the independent for a real voice of change. And I find that's a very big problem. You know, I go into, I know you're Jewish and I, and I try to be Christian. Um, and I go into churches all the time and then they ask me to speak. And I always say, you know, the reason, the reason Joe Biden's in the White House is because over 20 million so-called evangelical Christians decided to stay home on election day. And I said, y'all aren't doing your job one day. And I, and I'll digress a little bit if I may. I was, um, I, I got mad about a bill that we'd voted on that I heard, I absolutely heard nothing from any of the churches or the conservative community. So I, being the 435th most powerful member of Congress, <laughs> there's only 435, by the way. Exactly. Um, um, yeah, and that's not called, true. You're, a, you're much higher up. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Kevin McCarthy said I'm at least at, at 425 now. So anyway, um, as he was jokingly saying that, but I was, uh, I called the head of the Southern Baptist Convention down in Dallas, Texas. And I explained to him this vote and what had went on. And he, he said, well, Congressman, in, uh, in all due respect, that, that is, uh, Christmas is between Christmas and Thanksgiving. And that is our busy time of the year. And I explained to him, I said, sir, I said, you're going to have plenty of time when our houses of worship are, our doors are locked. I think COVID was a perfect example of just how they could just at the drop of a hat. And I know they, they, specifically, or as the good old boys would say, specifically, how they targeted synagogues up in your neck of the woods. Correct. And, Especially and, the and, more religious ones where they knew people came to absolutely. every single week, every single day, three times a day. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Well, I was not aware of that, but I, I didn't know that that's, but that's, 
that's a devout group of folks. And, um, and generally those folks are great Americans and they are patriotic Americans and they understand. I expect a lot of those folks understood what it took to get where they're at today. And, um, and so, uh, we've, um, I mean, the, the, the test balloon, so to speak, has been floated on that issue and they know how we will respond, how the religious community will respond. And we better tighten up. We better tighten up because they are taking notice to that. And it is about control and it is about everything. When, when they do away with our Judeo Christian um, beliefs, you, man, this country is, is done for. It is done for. And they're doing a very good job of it. So, you were part of the November uh, success of flipping the House to Republican control. Yes, ma'am. And congratulations. You've been there since 2019. So tell us what it's <laughs> like to have control of the House. What has been the difference for you? <clears throat> well, honestly, you might come, this come as a surprise, but the difference is really uh, hasn't really been a difference because uh, during like the 12th, or 13th vote for speaker. I went over and sat on the Democrat side. Um, my buddy, uh, Josh Gothenheim, I believe is his name out of New Jersey. Gottenheimer. Uh-huh. Gottenheimer. I don't ever, I can't, he knows I can't get his name right. Anyway, he's invited me up to Jersey, um, to meet some of his folks. I'm, I'm going to do it. I've never been to New Jersey or New York, actually. So when some you come of- up to Josh, you're going to make a detour. We're going to have something for you on Long Island. I will host oh. it. Long Island. Wow. That's cool. That's cool. I've always, I've kind of actually th- always wanted to go up there. I've never, I've, you know, but anyway, thank you so much. Um, but he was sitting behind me and then, um, and lo and behold, speaker Pelosi crawled over three people to come over and sit beside me. And, and I was, and I was kind of holding court. Uh, they all make fun of the way I talk and that's fine. And I, but I was just making jokes and stuff. And I had this analogy in my head. It reminded me of, being at Bearden Junior High School in 1978 at, at a dance, the girls were on one side of the gym, the boys were on the other. Leonard Skinner was playing, and nobody was dancing. And that's kind of the way Congress was, is. And I've, but I've, I've made an effort to um, cross that barrier many times. And so for me, I, the friendship is, you know, I, I've made friends with the Democrats when I was in the major, minority. Now that I'm in the majority, a lot of them come over to see me now to be my friend. And I, and I get that. I get that. It's, it's a little superficial, but the reality is, uh, Republicans have control. And, um, you see in the committees, the structure is different. You hear from, uh, all sides of issues, not just some one sided. And that was Charlie. You're hearing from Char- Charlie. Hush. We love animals. We promote adopt, don't shop here, yes, so ma'am. it's fine with us. We, all our, I'm a rescue, as, uh, as as well are my dogs, and Charlie's out there. Go get him, Roscoe. Um, but anyway, um, but the, the difference is I think you're going to see more uh, issues that the American public want to see. For instance, we are getting into uh, a lot of, uh, like, Twitter and the cover-up that they have with the censorship and big tech and things like that. Now it's a lot of this stuff isn't real sexy, but it is important that we understand what's going on because things like censorship and other things. And um, we're going to get to the bottom of, of where uh, COVID came from and our response to it. 
And we're getting into a lot of the fraud with COVID, which we wouldn't do before, because you have to admit you made a problem, you made a mistake. And that's exactly why nobody will do anything about fentanyl, ma'am, because it is uh, the, the Democrats won't do anything about fentanyl because they'd have to admit they have a problem at the border. And um, and because it's just, you know, they just mule it over in backpacks and they've um, we've we've apprehended enough fentanyl to kill this country six times over, six times over. So, um, you know, those are real problems and we really are addressing them. And I'm glad to see it. And it's a and it's like drinking out of a out of a fire hydrant, though, because there's just so much stuff. And then, you know, everybody wants to get on Hunter Biden's laptop and I'm. I'm not as concerned about that. I know this president is compromised by the communist Chinese, and I know his son is one of the conduits for it. But, um, and you know, there's too much out there on that. And, and, and that'll eventually get to it. But the problem you have, of course, is the national media. There's only uh, folks like yourself are the only ones that are actually reporting the real truth. And thank goodness there's people like you out there. Because oh, thank the you. public, well, and I mean that with all sincerity, because... It, it's amazing the impact that you have. The last time I was on your show, I had several people. I was, you know, I didn't know they listened. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a, a, a podcast. I've got a podcast, but I've, you know, and I think Matt Gates always says tens of 12 people watch it, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, I, 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 you know, this is where it's at. And this is the thing government cannot control. And I dig it. And I'm, and I'm glad that you're doing it, ma'am. And so well, they I, I try to. Rambled. No, we want to hear from you because it's important. Fox News, even you know the way they're catered to certain issues, it's like they're not the Fox News of five years ago. And look what's no. going on with Newsmax and One America News. And I know so many other people feel the same. And that's why I purposely go on AM, FM, and have all the podcasts at, so that people could have exposure. So that, like I said, I. I went to school for investigative journalism. So I spend the hours doing the research and doing the interviews. And I hope I bring my listeners, my audience, my viewers, my, the people who follow my articles. I hope I bring them some, uh, at least they walk away with an idea. They have to question something and maybe they have to do some educating for themselves. 100% as my daughter would say for real, for real. So uh, let me ask you, you were recently appointed vice chair of the Foreign Affairs Subcommittee, and everybody has this fear that we're going into World War Three again. I mean, it's it's really scary, and it's not from people in areas you would think. You're correct. I, I fear that. I fear that myself, ma'am. And, I, I... well, one thing, if it does happen, I... I would almost rest assured we would probably switch parties in the White House. Right now, I'm not sure people are going to. But I think that that would be one way. And we always see war as a way to change policies. Is What should people, the common person, be thinking about right now in the wake of so much information coming out? with China, with Russia, with Ukraine? I mean, you have been so vocal and I would like you to discuss it more about this, this administration's actions in Ohio versus Ukraine. Yes, ma'am. Well, that's a great point. I tweeted about that on my at Tim Burchett Twitter page. And you make a, vi a very good point. 
Uh, we put a hundred billion so far that we know of into Ukraine, 100 billion. And you remember they wouldn't let Trump finish the wall for 4 billion because they said we didn't have it. Now we just blank check for a hundred billion, basically no, no checks or balances. And then recently the, um, uh, the, the Biden administration said, in fact, we're not going to, we're not going to send any money to Ohio to help fix this horrible, horrible situation um, that is, that has occurred with the, um, with the, uh, the chemical spill and the burn off and everything else and what's called the bloom um, when it gets into the ground. It's just a, it's a nightmare and it's a carcinogen. It's a horrible, horrible chemical. It's a vital chemical, but it's a horrible when it, when it comes in contact at, at those, um, at those levels. So I, I think you see, um, and the American public is just, excuse my language, they are raising total hell about this and they should because it shows to me that this administration is not paying attention um, to what's going on. And, um, and then when they send Pete Buttigieg down, you know, is, is saying, well, this, these things happen every day. You know, you don't tell somebody that who's lost everything. Well, it happens every day, you know, well, maybe it does, but dadgummit, do something about it. You're, you're paid to do a job, you know, and this tells you, uh, this administration, they just check the box. Every person they have, and I don't care who Pete Buttigieg sleeps with. That ain't my dadgum business. Neither but dad, do I. <laughs> but dadgummit, he's he's not doing his job. When he gets up and starts saying this stuff, and he uh, gets on these national news programs, ma'am, and, and and you know, I was a county mayor. I I fixed potholes. I paid down debt. And everything I've seen about him is he did none of those things. He raised the debt where he was and he, he was not, he, you know, the things that we, we would normally think a mayor would do, they would do, but, but they check a box, they put him in as transportation. That's fine. You know, and he, he pulls up to his, uh, to the office and they let him out. He rides his bicycle in for a photo op and the media, a bunch of lap dogs, the national media, they all, they all start a bunch, like a bunch of clapping seals and, and clap for him and how great he is. And he's doing, and he's, he needs to shut his dad got mouth and do his job is what he needs to do. You know, when he was a mayor, he was a failure as a ma- mayor, but when merit becomes the issue again, and until merit in both parties. Yes, ma'am. And I've often said, put the best player in coach. I don't care if you're purple and have it, or, or have, you know, have a horn growing out of your head, Dad Gummit. If you can do the job, you're the best. Put the best player in. But Except, of course, if that. you're using the horns in a negative way to describe Jews. But oh. I know what you're saying. But, oh, I'm uh, sorry. I did. I did not know that <laughs> was a. I yes, didn't know that, that was is, a negative. That is. I, yeah. I, I will. I will. There, I will there was an expression. That. Yes. Okay. That Jews have horns, and uh, okay. so yeah, it's a very net. Anyway. I know you didn't well, mean it, so I'm glad we could. Not, not at my here. house, but thank you for clearing the air for me on that. I appreciate that. Uh, but I do, you know, when we come to merit, people will vote for the best person and not down the line uh, parties. And then we're going to have that constitutional check and balances that George Washington emphasized and that Abraham Lincoln emphasized. A perfect discussion, which leads me to my next question. I keep emphasizing the importance of local elections because 2023 is the year of the local election. People are so apathetic. They don't want to go vote. They fear that their vote is going to be stolen or not counted. They fear that they uh, aren't being heard. And they think that local elections don't really matter. 
tell people why, as a local mayor who became a congressman, local elections matter the most? Local elections are where it's at, ma'am, because at the federal level, it takes us so long to do anything. When I, you know, if I want to pass a bill, I have to do a, a study of, of the issue and I have to go through all these hoops. And it could take me two years to get something to the floor of any meaningful, uh, just because of the bureaucracy, because of the swamp. At the local level, it's where it's at. You got a pothole, you got a crack house, you got somebody beating up. Uh, a poor woman, um, some drug addict or something, or some jerk boyfriend, you know, you pick up the phone and call the sheriff's department and dadgum, it happens. It happens within minutes. And that's what local government is about. Our schools, uh, everything, you know, we, we argue about what's going on in the classroom. And the reason we're arguing about it is because uh, COVID, that's the one advantage COVID gave us is that parents started looking over their kid's shoulder and seeing what they were studying in the classroom. And now they're They've come unglued and the federal and the federal authorities have started labeling parents as terrorists, domestic terrorists, which is wrong. But I think it uh, uh, the local level is 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 so close to the people. And and we had an election, our county mayor, I believe he won by 17 votes, 17 votes. And it was a three way race. You know, I mean, that's just crazy. And the thing, you know, I know 17 people I could have called and flipped that election, you know. And, and so I, I think I think people just um, they take and and also I, I look at and, and being in the South and, and well, being an American, you look at groups of people were turned away from the polls because of the color of their skin or uh, in our lifetime even. And, and, and those things no longer happen because people stood up and said enough is enough. But now. It, you get if you get thirty percent of the of the voting public out there voting, you, you consider it a, a success. And and we're just, we're, I've I've often said they are not going to take it from us, ma'am. We're going to give it to them. We are giving the Marxists and all them everything they want exactly. because we do we do not get up and say enough is enough. We do not say when they're closing down synagogues in New York. Hell, that ain't right. We can't. That ain't right. But, you know, I heard a lot of people in the South saying that wasn't right. And um, when they started closing churches down down here and they said, forget it, we're going to meet anyway, arrest us. And that's what ended up happening. They backed off. And because um, we elect our sheriffs down here and sheriffs understand the Constitution pretty well. In, at least in the South, they do. Well, maybe that's one of the reasons that everybody's calling Tennessee the next Florida. What is in your water that everybody wants to drink it? Low taxes, um, great weather, and people that have an accent like me, and they say yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, a lot. And we hold doors open for people, and um, and generally, uh, genuinely nice people. I love, I love where I'm from. Um, you know, my wife and I and daughter, we go out and eat all the time. We go down here to this little Mexican restaurant. We call it the Mexon. It's a Mexican restaurant attached to an Exxon gas station. So oh, we wow. call it the Mex the Mexon. And you gotta they got like six dollars for two margaritas. We're not drinkers, but I, I tell all my buddies that in Congress and they flip out and they all want to come down here. But I mean but it's that way all over the place, ma'am. You break down on the side of the road and um and generally you'll have a half a dozen people trying to help you fix your car. And and that's that is the South. And um and I go back to the low taxes and right to work state. 
and Tennessee is just a great, a great place, a great place to live. We could talk more and more. You're going to come back on. Of course, now that I know you're coming up to New York, we're going to meet in person and we're going to get some of our New Yorkers to get to know you a little bit better because you are outspoken. You say what you want. You don't fear it. And you look, you cross the aisle. I wish, you know what? The one thing that you discussed before, I, I know a lot of the freshman New Yorkers, they all said the same thing that when they ran at this wearing in speeches, they all want to cross the aisle. They all go on CNN. I don't see so many Democrats doing the cross the aisle no. stuff. And I, I fear that we might not have success if it's a one way uh, handshake. I agree. I agree. And it's, um, and we have to, um, Reagan said, trust, but verify. So I think that's a good, that's a good rule to live by. I know we got to roll this up. So just tell us quickly where our audience can reach out to you. Um, at Tim Burchett, you know, the at symbol and then T I M B U R C H E T T is me on Twitter. And I'm on, um, I've got young folks that figured it out. I've got all kinds of stuff and I've got a podcast. I can't think of the name of it, but you can probably find it on YouTube. And, um, but anyway, it's, you know, you just Google Tim Burchett, you'll find me believe about a half of the stuff they say about me. We believe everything because you are a a true patriot, a true American, and you care about every person, regardless of where they live or how they vote. It's America to you and you care about its present and its future. Congressman Tim Burchett, you are always welcome on the Jewess Patriot. And don't forget, I love Israel. How about that? Too? We're going to take that. you to Israel. We're going to take you on a trip, and you're going to share it along with the Jewess Patriot. Thank you, ma'am. Look forward to it. See y'all. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Welcome back to the Jewess Patriot. It is, I am your host, Cindy Gross. Joining us now is Darren Beatty. He is actually uh, one of the writers. He wrote the forward to the book, the January 6th report. And really, it's a book that has a lot of discussions about facts versus conspiracies. And in our day and age, whether or not you're far left, far right, everybody's using the words conspiracies and and misrepresenting facts for fiction. So, Darren, welcome to the show and clarify some of this for us. Um, Absolutely. I'm happy to discuss any any, uh, conspiracy alleged or fake. So just throw it at me and we'll we'll discuss. Are we ever going to find out the truth about January 6th? Oh, I thought for a second there, I thought you were going to say JFK, because actually I had a conversation with President Trump recently about the JFK files because he had been pushing very strongly to release some of the files. And he got pushback from the intelligence community, um, including Mike Pompeo, which was a kind of interesting Saga, but as for January sixth, I think the same answer applies to JFK and a lot of other things. Which is, are we ever going to get the full story? Probably not. My news organization, I've been working vociferously to uncover as much as humanly possible, but you always run up against a wall. But I think we've covered enough um, to 
really kind of take stock of what the official narrative is in January 6th and understand that it's fundamentally false. I think we have more than enough information to conclude that January 6th was not as it's reported by the regime media and regime politicians such as Biden was not an insurrection. It's what I have playfully dubbed the Fedsurrection. And what do I mean by Fedsurrection? Do I mean that every participant in January 6th was a card-carrying member of the FBI? No. What I mean is, had it not been for a critical mass of um, extremely egregious participants, each playing a critical role in January 6th, and that these participants are overwhelmingly likely to be associated with the federal government and are absolutely being protected by the government. Had it not been for this handful of critical actors, the preconditions would not have been set for the rally to turn into a riot. Now, at Revolver.News, we've covered a lot of these actors. Some of them have become as close to a household name as you can possibly get for a kind of washed up, um, Fed provocateur type. And one of those names, I think you've heard of it. Maybe your listeners have too, is called Ray Epps. Um, but there are others. There are others still more mysterious and even darker than Ray Epps. People who played just as much of a role in January 6th and who, unlike Ray Epps, haven't even been identified. The government has shown zero interest in them, which is curious because you have all kinds of people having the book thrown at them, languishing in prison um, for relatively trivial offenses. So it it defies any innocent explanation that we have key actors in January 6th that the government has exhibited zero interest in, who all allowed for this rally to turn into a riot, and they have not been arrested, they've not been charged, and in some cases, as I mentioned, they haven't even been identified. So I want to take this a little bit of a different route. You know, this has become a black and white issue, Republican versus Democrat, but I try to tell Democrats that they should watch this really, really carefully, because just as much as We've been lied to, and we still don't even know who murdered, you know, the actual murder of Ashley Babbitt and what surrounded that and all the facts. Yes, we know who did it, but we don't even know the follow-up and why he's been so protected. I tell Democrats to watch this carefully because, as you pointed out, the JFK, but there were so many other issues in the past that actually facts were hidden, conspiracies for Democrats. What is your opinion on my thoughts on that? Um, you'd have to rephrase that. I'm not sure exactly. Oh, I said everybody looks as, at the January 6th uh, rioting, insurrection, however they want to call it, if they're Democrats, that it's all Republicans' fault and Trump's fault. But I tell Democrats they should really watch it carefully to learn to protect themselves because what goes around comes around. And there are many examples in history. You pointed out the JFK um, situation and the files there that, you know, Democrats really have to learn from this. And what would you tell Democrats? Well, what I would tell Democrats is what I would tell everyone is that it's not what it appears that there was 
extensive and critical federal involvement, federal involvement that tracks the federal infiltration of all of these militia groups that have been imputed to January 6th, and furthermore, federal involvement that tracks the embarrassing entrapment episode that we saw in the so-called Michigan kidnapping plot, where, you know, of the plotters, over half turned out to be either federal confidential human sources or actual agents themselves. And that's a fiasco in its own right. So I ask that, you know, there are some Democrats, in fact, a lot that are just low information idiots that, I mean, they barely know how to read and you can't explain anything to people like that. But to sophisticated people on the left who understand the long history of the national security state um, illegally insinuating itself into the domestic political process. Um, a long affair that was exposed in part by the church committee in the 1970s, which is, you know, getting some sort of vague reprisal in some of the House committees set up. People on the left understand the history of the national security state's involvement in politics. It's just that they don't care now because it's against their political enemies. But I would say that it's a dangerous thing across the board to have the national security apparatus so actively involved in subverting our political process. And I would say to those on the right, the reason it's important to understand the truth about January 6th, the dark truth about January 6th that Revolver.News has covered and that I write about in this introduction to the January 6th report from Skyhorse. The reason that this is important is what's at stake because the government and the regime is using the false insurrection narrative January 6th to justify the weaponization of the national security state against the American people in order to silence, suppress, neutralize, and destroy all of those active and organic energies associated with the rise of Donald Trump. They want to close that chapter of American political history, and they will do so by any means necessary. Well, you brought up a good point there, and it brings me to my next question about 2023 local elections and, of course, the presidential, the many senator, senatorial, and, of course, the congressional of 2024. With all this going on and people feeling from both parties, anybody with common sense doesn't trust the integrity of our voting system right now. How do you tell people to trust the system? Well, I wouldn't tell people that. So <laughs> that's not, that's mean, not uh, my problem. <laughs> I'm, I, I wouldn't well, you are people. a political scientist. You have been a speechwriter. Tell us, it's, with all the experience you have, the writings, the connections you've had, with the uh, Trump administration, what suggestions do you have to people to get involved so that they could take well, back I their will, voting? I will make I will make a suggestion in the other direction. I will mention somebody that people should not trust, an organization that people cannot trust. And I know, you know, by the title of of your show, and you have so many patriotic Jewish listeners here. I think it's important for everybody to understand because, unfortunately, I've met older people who are great people, older people 
uh, older Jews who don't understand this, unfortunately. The Anti-Defamation League is a fundamentally anti-Jewish and anti-American organization. It is a group that pretends to defend the interests of Jews when all it does is serve the interests of Democrats. And I think that if anyone listening to this or any older older people who are just sort of on autopilot donating to the ADL because of their brochures and they're very good at manipulating people, especially older people, they appeal to say, oh, if you don't donate to us, there'll be another Holocaust, this or that, when really the money goes to supporting Democrat causes that are usually diametrically opposed to the interests and intentions of the people giving money in the first place. And so I would, and they're the head of the organization, Jonathan Greenblatt, he's an Obama stooge. He was in the Obama White House, but before that, he was a disgraced water bottle salesman. And all of a sudden, he positions himself as some kind of leader on the basis of selling water bottles at a, at a you know, no one wants water from this guy. And then he goes on to the Obama White House, and now he's positioning himself as some, some great leader that can be trusted to be politically neutral. So the whole thing is a joke. I'm not going to, you know, affirmatively plug any kind of alternative organization. There are other organizations. I'll simply say, if people are listening to this and they're patriotic and you don't know the truth about the ADL, um, there's a lot there's a lot to learn because they do like manipulating people who don't know any better, who think they're donating to a, a noble cause and an important cause, but really you might as well be sending a check to the Democrat National Committee. I'm going to add to that. Uh, the ADL works very closely with Randy Weingarten, and that connection has brought about a load of anti-Semitism, misinformation in our public schools. And we know what our public schools are going through right now. They are failures, especially in minority communities run by Democrats. So I totally stand with you on that statement, and I even take it a step further. Darren, you are Jewish. Yes, ma'am. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background. Well, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a secular. I'm not uh, I'm not uh, practicing. I don't you know go to shul or anything like that. But you know, I think the I think the the culture uh, is important. Um, you know, particularly I like I like the style. I I resonate with the the older folks, the older secular Yiddish speaking folks who are frankly a dying breed in many ways. You know, you don't see a lot of these people. Usually you see, and nothing wrong with being religious, by the way. It's just not not my background. But um, you know, there used to be thriving communities um in New York and even to some extent it, you know, down in Florida where I am, of um, you know, native Yiddish speakers who are, you know, of a secular tradition. And I think that that particular subset of the community has contributed um, so much, you know, to the country, so much to um, the community. And um, I would love to see uh, more preservation efforts directed specifically to Yiddishkeit and Yiddish culture. Well, I'm sure 
your pride was very important in you being appointed to the commission to preserve uh, the Holocaust and about, um, I think a lot of what you just described describes a lot of the work because a lot of the people you talk about were Holocaust survivors. And uh, we know what's going on in the world today about Holocaust denial, the rise of anti-Semitism. And I'm sure you saw a lot of this firsthand during your tenure working on the commission. Well, I mean, I didn't experience in in the sense that I did not experience any kind of anti-Semitism or or any or any Holocaust now I mean the it's really unfortunate you know the 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 technical name of the formal name of the board to which I was um, uh, appointed by President Trump was the Committee for the Preservation of American Heritage Abroad it's not exclusively dedicated to Holocaust related sites but that is one of its predominant um uh, focal points of its mission. There are a lot of, you know, everybody on there was was great, was professional. Paul Packer, who was running it when I was there, was excellent and someone who's truly dedicated to the mission and has done a lot of great work in many cases at his own expense, you know, from his own pockets. And, you know, the thing is kind of unfortunate, okay, because, you know, Trump appointed me there, but it was a three-year term. And so my um, my tenure with that group um, continued on into the Biden administration. So I was, you know, in some technical sense, um, a member of the Biden administration. Um, but I was very happy to be so because my understanding of that work was that it was not political and shouldn't really be um poisoned or tarnished by you know the day-to-day political mudslinging and i think everybody on the board kind of had that attitude that you know the the project is unimpeachable and it has nothing to do with political affairs so it should just be left out of the process and you know for for a long time it was, but you know how things go in, in uh, you know, just the in the present environment in the country is that everything has to be political. And so because I was in the uh, in the Trump administration as a speechwriter and so forth and had been subject to news attacks. And I'm one of these people when I'm attacked by journalists, I attack back, which they really don't like. And so it becomes almost like a point of pride in them that, you know, everything they that I do, they have to attack. And so it took them a very long time. But ultimately, uh, Biden was pressured enough that because nobody in the actual uh, committee wanted me gone, because, again, our work was completely non-political. Right. Our work was, you know, preserving um, heritage sites, not just related to the Holocaust, but preserving, you know, old synagogues and, you know, all kinds of fascinating stuff across the world. Um, uh, but eventually the the media got to Biden and, you know, I had a good run, but, um, but yeah, Biden basically said we can't have you there anymore, which, you know. Well, and then he put in Deborah was- Lipstadt to, and who's, who's totally biased and one, you know, one party and, and doesn't mind attacking Trump's people, even though she herself had her own experience. Darren, I hate to be rude, but 
We've got to go to a commercial break. Please share with us where the audience can buy the book. Absolutely. The book can get it on Skyhorse or Amazon. It's Darren Beatty, the January 6th uh, committee report. And if you're interested in the most sophisticated, deep dive investigative work that you'll ever see on the internet, it's revolver.news. We've got everything covered. Check out the site. And if you like it, share it with friends and family. Darren Beatty, thank you so much for your work, for your uh, devotion, for fact, and for helping try to save America because we need back that feeling of making America great. Thank you very much. What a show. My closing Pearls of Wisdom is extremely fashionable for this week. I am asking the question, why would anybody pay attention to New York Fashion Week anymore? I used to love February Fashion Week. I'd been filmed for reality shows during it, sat front row with major celebrities. I even took Rudy Giuliani to a fashion show, and it will probably be the only time in my life, together with Rudy Giuliani, we made the cover of Women's Wear Daily and were featured in Gentlemen's Quarterly. Let me tell you about New York Fashion Week. You think of the glamour. You think of the fun. You think of the status. Well, a model actually was interviewed how people were misled by the woke society of fashion designers and fashion businesses that they were going to be used in a way and paid in a way that professionals are. The woke entertainment world has destroyed one of the most important businesses for America. And that's millions of dollars lost. And the average person, even the suburbs of New York, they're not buying anything. So the trickle-down effect of not paying people, of expecting an entitlement, has lasting effects in the United States and will be one of the reasons we might lose our superpower status around the world in the near future. Think about that. Let me know your thoughts, and we'll see you next week. This is Cindy Gross. I am the Jewess Patriot. Thanks for watching The Jewish Patriot Show with Talk Radio's premier Jewish activist, Cindy Gross. Be sure to download Cindy's next program, as well as previous ones, available internationally on iHeartRadio, Spotify, and in Israel on Jewish Podcasts. See you next time on The Jewish Patriot Show.